So 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, we're going to be beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. And we're going to stop right there for just a second and, and get into this verse. Understand, whenever the word of God, whenever God is telling you to watch, he's not asking you to watch with natural eyes. Amen? Whenever that God is asking you to watch, he's getting you to, to stand attention spiritually. And one of the problems that we have in the world today is too many people are asleep spiritually. When God asks you to watch, he's telling you to watch from a spiritual perspective what's going on. Amen? And too many of us are living in the circumstantial here and now, and we're not looking at the spiritual perspective from God. In order for us to watch, we need to first off have God open our eyes. Amen? God is the one that opens our eyes to the spiritual things, and we've been dealing with uh, living in circumstantial uh, places. Now, if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to have to get past what you see in the circumstances. Circumstances will keep you in the here and now. Faith puts you where God wants you to be. And you alone can make that decision. You can live for today and you can be sorrowful with the world or you can keep your eyes on the Lord and stand in faith. And nobody but you can make that decision. It is a decision between you and God. And so whenever the Lord commands us, now this is not a question. He didn't say, hey, you know, if, if, you, wanna, if you want to, watch. Listen to the language of that. Watch ye. Stand in the faith. Quit you like men. And what he's telling you is to stop fighting like men. Stop warring your battles like a common man. If you're a child of God, you're a child of the king. Amen. You've been born again. You've been purchased by the blood of the lamb. He has made you a new creature. So stop fighting like the old man. Begin fighting like the new man. Amen. Stop warring according to the flesh and war according to the spirit. If you war according to the flesh, you have deceived yourself. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Amen? To pull down strongholds and principalities. One of the things that we see, though, is that too many of us fight our battles in the flesh. Too many of us have our eyes on the things of the world and we have our eyes on the things of the flesh and we don't see what's going on behind the matter. I love Leonard Ravenhill. He said, if you think that your enemy has a social security number, pick a different enemy. You got the wrong one. It's not somebody, it's the spirit of the world that we're at war against. And until you understand that reality, you, you just lost. Your, your enemy is not your boss or your neighbor. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not a Republican or a Democrat. Your enemy is the spirit of the world today. And your enemy is an adversary. He's, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you keep your eyes on the circumstances of the world, on the here and now, you will miss and you will be taken asunder by the adversary. So he says, watch you. Stand fast in the faith. That's, now, that's also, that is um, openly telling you right there that this message is for believers. You, you cannot watch. You cannot watch unless you're a born-again believer. 
This is, it takes a born-again person for God to open your eyes. Amen? How many of you are tired of, of fighting your battles in the flesh? How many of you are tired of losing? How many of you are tired of, of, of fighting those battles in the flesh and getting deeper and deeper and deeper? Amen? Sometimes it takes where God allows you to just work yourself down to the bottom so that you'll get sick and tired of me and sick and tired of me and sick and tired. And until you get to that point, that's when you'll turn to God. Amen? Some of us, some of us, we just will not call out to God until we hit rock bottom. I heard, you know, I, I, I minister in prisons, and a, and a lot of times people will say, I never knew that I needed Jesus till Jesus was all that I had. God had to take away everything till I finally realized that's who I needed more than anything. And sometimes God will allow us to hit rock bottom so that he can save our soul. See, God loves you so much that he will allow certain things into your life so that he can get your soul. And if you war according to the flesh, the problems only get worse. If you war according to the flesh, you actually pour gasoline on the fire. You, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot war according to the flesh and not compound your problems. Every time you raise your voice at somebody, every time you stomp and slam a door and throw a cup across the, the kitchen, every time you, you peel out your car in somebody's driveway, every time you war according to the flesh, you dig the hole deeper. The Bible says here, quit you like men. Stop fighting according to the flesh. That's what everybody else does. God has called you to a higher place, a higher calling, which is to fight according to the Spirit. To fight your battles according to the Spirit of God. Now, one of the problems that we see is that there are attacks all around us. Uh, we're under multiple attacks. We're under attack in the church world. We're under attack personally. See, the church world's under attack by uh, doctrines of devils and, and, and all kinds of issues coming into the church. The worldliness is coming into the church. Uh, all kinds of issues. And it's always been that way. It's just going to get worse until the Lord comes back. But also understand that you're at war yourself. And the closer we get to the second return, until we get to the second coming of the, of the Lord, until we get to that day, those attacks are going to increase. And if you begin to fight your battles according to the flesh, look, look, you only got so many cups in your cupboard to throw at the wall. When, you gonna, when is it going to dawn on you that you can't fight like that no more? I mean, how many holes in the wall do we got to punch? To, I mean, how many times do we got to go to prison? How many times do we got to go through all this stuff till we realize it's God that we need? Amen. Amen. So quit fighting like men. You only got so many cups and plates. Amen. You ever got to the point where you only have one plate or bowl left? That's when conviction sets in, right? I ain't going to be able to eat no more if I keep throwing these things. That's some conviction. Now, one of the things that I want to show you is that, you know, one of the, one of the problems is that people just are asleep. Then, you know, as long as I can still go to McDonald's, what difference does it make when your family's under attack, when your children are on their way to hell, when your children openly defy God, live in open rebellion to God and His way? How can we go to McDonald's when our children are going to hell? How can we go to McDonald's when our children are going to hell? 
how do we not then go to the altars and beg and plead for their souls? God, open their eyes, Lord. Open their eyes that they may taste and see your goodness. Open their eyes, God. Don't let me be satisfied to go to heaven while they go to hell. I will not. I will not, Lord. I will not fight like a man. I will fight according to faith. I will fight according to the Spirit of God. Lord, have your way in me. Have your way in my family. Have your way in my church. Amen. Have your way in our nation. God, I'm tired of seeing the world go the way it's going. Whether you, whatever end of the spectrum you fall on when you watch the news, do you just complain about it or do you fight on your knees about it? See, this nation needs the church to rise up and be the church. The salt needs to be salty once again. What good is salt if it's not salty? What good is light if it's dark? The church doesn't need to be like the world. It needs to stand up and fight according to the Spirit of God and proclaim His name, proclaim His word, and say, Thus saith the Lord, unless you call on the name of Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. You will not go to heaven. There is only one way, and that way is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Good folk don't go to heaven. Cowboys and cowgirls don't go to heaven. People that pay their bills don't go to heaven. Good folk don't. Only saved folk go. Only saved folk go. And there's only one way to get saved, and that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what he said. Now, one of the things I want to show you is that you're being overrun. You're being overrun by the enemy. You're being inundated by the enemy. And unless you begin to fight according to the spirit, you're not going to make it. You're being overrun. And unless you fight according to the spirit, you're not going to make it. You have to fight back. You have to call on the name of the Lord. You have to get on your knees and pray. You have to intercede for yourself, for your loved ones, for your home. You have to intercede for your church. The church needs you. The church needs you. The church of the living God needs you to be who God has called you to be. It's time. It's time for you to be who God called you to be. If you uh, Turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter number 4. Whenever the word of God over there said to watch, he didn't say to watch TV. He did not mean to watch TV. He didn't mean to watch a new video on Facebook. He didn't mean to watch something on YouTube. When God called you to watch, he's telling you to watch because your soul is in danger. He's telling you to watch because the enemy is encamping you. He's telling you to watch because your adversary, the devil, is walking, seeking whom he may devour. Watch for your soul. Watch for your family. Watch for your church. Would you watch for your nation? Would you get on your knees and fight for your nation? Would you get on your knees and pray for our military? 
Would you get on your knees and pray for our, our armed services, our, our police officers, our hospital workers? Would you get on your knees and, and pray and fight for those in this nation? Would you get on your knees and fight for the people of your city? How about your family? Who, who is it that you're willing to fight for? Will you even fight for yourself? Will you get on your knees and call on the name of the Lord and say, God, help me. God, help me. Lord, I need you to move. I need you to move in my life. I have, I have gotten to the point, Lord, where I need some help. Well, I want you to know help's on the way. I want you to know help's on the way. Listen to this. In Nehemiah uh, chapter number four, we're going to pick it up. In, in verse number seven. Now, we're going to just skim a, a place in here because I just got to set some context. Now, Nehemiah, in case you need to remember, Nehemiah was, was given the task to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. God's holy city had been desecrated by the enemy. And, and, and Nehemiah was charged with rebuilding, with, with building back up what once was how many of you heard those stories about the glory days of the church? How many of you heard those glory day stories? Amen? Amen. Those stories about how God used to move so powerfully. Oh, Amen? And Nehemiah was charged with the task of rebuilding what once was. Wow. Listen to the Spirit of God. He's wanting to move again. And, and, and so Nehemiah is given this task to rebuild, and, and here's the only problem. Whenever you begin to set out to do something for God, an enemy will come at you. And even from your own people, even from your own kindred, even from people in your own church, if you don't watch out, if you don't watch out, watch, watch. So whenever Nehemiah is given this task to rebuild, look what it says in verse number 7. It says, it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches, listen to this, began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. And they conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Whenever God begins to move, the enemy moves. And unless you're watching, you're going to get taken out by Sanballat and Tobiah. They're there to deceive. They're there to undercut. When you're on the way to the altar, they're going to trip you up. How do I know this? How do I know this? Because whenever the Lord calls you to the altar, those if, ands, and buts began resonating. If I go... What are they going to think? And what about this? But what about that? If, ands, and buts. That's Sanballat and Tobiah. Every time God begins to move in your life, if you allow an excuse to come in, it will keep you back from God. You could sit under even a sermon from Jesus himself. And if you allow if, ands, and but excuses to come between you and God, you won't receive you go read John chapter 6 again. Look at the end of it. How many people walked away from the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't deceive yourself. If you allow excuses to set in, it will keep you back. 
Sanballat and Tobiah, they will let you build a little bit, but not all the way. They will let you allow yourself to get into a form of religion, but they will, they will fight you to the death so that you do not experience the power thereof. If you want to get religious, the enemy will let you get religious. But once you get a taste of God, that's when the fangs come out. He will do anything and everything to keep you back from the power of God. You, you, you want to smile, he'll let you smile. He just don't want you to have a reason for smiling. You want to clap, he'll let you clap, but he just don't want you to have a, a reason for clapping. The joy of the Lord can be faked, but it can also be had. It can be tasted. It can be yours. Amen? Now, let's move over to, to verse number 17 real quick. I want to cover these four verses right here. Verse 17 through 20. Nehemiah 4. It says, They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. What you see here is because they were building, they were being attacked. And they decided, we'll fight back and build. Because look, the building's got to keep on going. But we also got to fight. So one hand, they were laying bricks. And in the other hand, they had the sword. Amen? What that means is, I'm not going to let my guard down. No matter what's going on in my life, I am not going to let my guard down. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, to the rulers, to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. Whenever the enemy began to attack against Israel while they were building the wall, they were so scattered, the wall was so big, they were so scattered that they were spread out. And, and I want to I just tell you right now, you're kind of spread out. And when you get so spread out, you become endangered. You know, we just got through with this Old West VBS, and uh, one of the things that the Lord brought to my mind about this, you remember back in the old days, they would travel by wagon out in the Old West, and whenever they were scattered, one wagon was way out in front of the others. The old Indians, they would circle around them and attack them. Well, those old, old, old pioneers, they had a saying, circle the wagons. And what they would do is they would sound the trumpet, and all the wagons would come and forge a, a circle, and they would all get within that, and those wagons would protect them from the enemy. Amen? Instead of being scattered out there on their own, they all resorted into one place and drew strength together and found protection and refuge together. And one of the things that you see as they're building this wall, whenever the enemy would come at any one of them, the trumpet where they were would sound and all the fighting men of Israel would run to the trumpet. 
all the men of Israel would run and fight, lock arms with one another and begin to wage war according to the spirit against the enemy. When the trumpet sounded, the men of God ran. The problem is today, you can't get nobody to do nothing unless you call a, a dinner. We listening for dinner bells and they was listening for trumpets of war. They were ready to fight according to the Spirit for their nation, for their God, for their people, for the people of God. They would lock arms and fight according to the Spirit. They were burdened. They were burdened for their fellow Israelite. And they would do whatever they had to do to come to their aid. Amen? They weren't too busy watching TV. They didn't need television. They had holy vision. They had their eyes on God. They had their eyes on God. They had their eyes on the end game. They had their eyes on what God wanted their eyes on. They were watching. They weren't fighting like men. They were fighting like men of God. And God has called you to rise up, look beyond the circumstances, and see the battle in front of you because the enemy is not playing. He's out to deceive you. He's out to deceive you. One of the things that, that you see is they, they, they blew the trumpet. They, they circled the wagons, if you will. Circling the wagons is this resorting. This resorting is what the men of God would do. And they would lock arms. This is what we do whenever we have a prayer meeting. We lock arms with one another. We war according to the Spirit of God. We will fight and tear down enemy strongholds in Jesus' name. We will uproot every demonic and evil spirit out of this church, out of, this, out of our homes, out of our nation. We will go to war against the spirit of abortion, against the spirit of homosexuality. We will go to the war against the spirit of, of adultery, against pornography. We will go to war according to the Spirit with that which is fighting against us. God has called you to watch and to fight. Quit fighting like men. Begin to fight like men of God. God has called you to come to this place of resorting. This place of resorting is a place that God has always called his people in special times. And this place of resorting is not only for special times, it can be a place that you live. It can be a place that you stay. This resorting is a place where the people, whenever the trumpet sounded, listen what he said. He said, all assemble together. Wherever you hear the trumpet, everybody go to. And then what? And then God will fight for us. The battle, always remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Will you give it to him though? See, if you fight according to the flesh, you ain't giving the battle to him. You, you keep on throwing plates against the wall and, and say also that the battle belongs to the Lord, you're saying one thing but living something else. God will fight for you if you will give the battle to God. If you will lay down your burdens, God will move mountains. If you will call on God, he will meet you in your need. God is on time every time. 
If you will call, he will be there. God is no respecter of persons. If you will come to God through Jesus Christ, he will meet you every time. God has not changed. He has not grown old. He has not grown weary. He's not growing. He's not napping right now. He's ready right now. He is ready, willing, and able to move in your life. He is ready, willing, and able to move in your life. When are you going to quit like men? When are you going to quit like men? When, you, when are you going to stop resorting to the arm of the flesh? When are you going to stop resorting to what you make sense in your mind? God don't make sense in the mind. His ways are above our ways. We submit to his ways. We don't figure out his ways. We surrender to him. We don't tell him what to do. He is God. And he is God alone. Beside him there is no other. He is God alone. And until we submit and to surrender to him, we're still fighting like men instead of like men of God. God has called you to a higher place. God's called you to circle the wagons. Circle in the wagons, this is when God moves. This is when, when the trumpet sound. Now, here in this passage, you see in Nehemiah's day, he said everywhere he went, the guy with the trumpet was next to him. You see, Nehemiah was there. He was giving orders. He was running the show, basically. But the trumpet is a symbol for prayer. It's a symbol for prayer. It's a symbol of a call to arms. You know, Isaiah, he said to lift up your voice like a trumpet. This is a call to arms. The trumpet here is proclaiming, God, we need you. And when they would shout out, God, we need you, the men of Israel would come running. And what you see in the church world today is when somebody is in turmoil, when somebody's life is flipped upside down, we just go, hmm, guess they shouldn't have parked in my spot. I told them not to take that job. Look at them now. <laughs> you see, but where does that come from? That comes not from humility, not from meekness. That comes from pride. And there's too much pride in the church world today pride will keep you back from God pride is what removed Lucifer from heaven was he just like some of these false teachings in the church world today Lucifer wanted to be like the most high I will be as the most high and God said there's only one of me you're not welcomed in here no more God said, there's none beside me. He will not share his throne with another. And, and God removed Lucifer from heaven. Listen to this. It, uh, turn in your Bible to Psalm 71. Let me show you something over here. Psalm 71. Now, over here in Psalm 71, we're going to pick up this passage in verse number one. Let me give you just a point of reference about Psalm 71. Most good biblical scholars or whatever, they will tell you that Psalm 71 most likely was written by Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah, if you remember, is called the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. You know why he's the weeping prophet? Nobody listened to him. He wept and he wept and he wept and he wept and he died and went to glory. He's called the weeping prophet because nobody listened to him. The nation of Israel went into apostasy. They started worshiping false gods. They were worshiping idols. They were listening to prosperity messages. Oh, we don't have to repent. We don't have to turn back. We can keep doing what we're doing. God's going to bless us. Bless, 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 bless. And God said, turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back. Turn back lest you head to destruction. America, I believe, is entering into a time when we need to heed those same words of Jeremiah. Turn back to God while you still have time. So Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, one of the things that I want you to see, though, about, about, about this before we get into it is, you know, our generation, our culture right now, we're in a place of where the church is heading into apostasy, too. And so I think that you can kind of line up where we are with where Jeremiah is coming from. But I want you to see something very incredible in this passage. Look at verse number one. Um, it says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust let me never be put, what, to confusion. You see, confusion is an amazing thing. The, the enemy can take down strong men when he confuses them. Confusion comes whenever circumstances are not going according to my plan. When circumstances are not going according to my plan, I'm confused. I'm in a daze, not understanding why it is this way. And God, in that point in time, asked us to do what he said at the beginning, trust. Trust. You see, if things aren't going according to your plan, you have to get to a place where you trust. Let me tell you something about trust. It's not trust unless you're scared. It's not trust unless you don't know how it's going to go. You ever, if you ever teach a kid how to swim or jump off a diving board, you know they got to trust you to jump the first time, don't they? They got to know that they know that they know, even though they're not for sure, that when they jump off, you're going to catch them. That's trust. That is trust. And God wants you to get to a place where you don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know he's got you. It don't have to go according to my plan. I know God's got me. I know God's with me. God is for me, and God is in my tomorrow right now. So what do I have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow when I know if I enter into it, he's got me. Amen? So even though things may not be going according to your plan, God is calling you to get to a place where you trust him and stop trying to figure it out. You see, if you, if you try to get everything organized according to your mind, you're going to be confused because the things of God are higher than the things of men. This is why we need his word. Amen. His word is how we know anything about him because he's higher than us. He has told us who he is through his word. He's told us how to come to him. He's told us how to get saved through his word. That's the only way we know anything about God. And God is calling you to get into this place of trust with your tomorrow. 
and, and better than that with your today. See, the circumstances of your today are more important than the circumstances of tomorrow. When Jeremiah was facing a church world that had gone apostate, you know, he probably, he probably was about to lose his mind. How many times do I got to tell you guys, if you don't stop, repent, turn away from those idols, God's going to destroy us. How many times do I have to say this and you keep doing it? Don't you think that he probably got confused whenever he realized God had set him apart from his mother's womb, he said? And God had put his word just like fire shot up in his bones. He was a man on fire for God and nobody listened. How would that feel? He would be confused if he thought according to the mind of the flesh. If he fought like men, he would stay in a state of confusion. Listen, if you fight your battles according to the flesh, the enemy will keep you in a state of confusion. But I've got good news for you. See, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And if you will begin to fight according to the spirit, God will give you the mind to fight with. God will give you what you need if you will call on him and begin to fight your battles according to the spirit of God. You see, the, the way of God is higher than the ways of men, and when God orchestrates the battle, it don't make sense according to the flesh. Ask Gideon and his army of 300. That does not make sense according to the flesh. But God took 300 with Gideon and he won a mighty battle. What about David and Goliath? That doesn't make sense according to the flesh. What about whenever uh, Egypt allowed Israel to leave? That doesn't make sense according to the flesh. But you see, when God gets involved, when God gets involved, giants fall. Mountains move. Battles are won. Confusion leaves. And peace is to be had in Jesus' name. When you will begin to fight your battles according to the Spirit, everything starts falling in line again. I want to tell you something about the word resort that, we, that you saw a while ago. Look, look, look at verse number two first. Let, let, me, let me get to it. It says, deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Now watch, watch for this word because we, we, we read this in Nehemiah. I'm going to call you to watch this. Be thou, now look, thou is talking about one person. If you ever learn anything about the King James, understand this. A T means a singular pronoun. It means he's talking about God and God alone. He's not looking to his mama or his daddy. He's not looking to his spouse. He's not looking to, to Uncle Sam. He's not looking to the government. He's not looking for, for a politician's help. He's not looking for anybody else but one person. And listen, listen, you're not going to find help till you get to that thou part. You know, I told you that God is God alone, right? When you come to God, you can't, you can't have God and. You can't have God and. 
It's got to be just God. It's got to be thou, not y'all. You can't look up to God and say, y'all, whoever. God's waiting on you to call on him alone. I will not turn to the left and I will not turn to the right. I will not seek help from man. I will seek help from God alone. I know where my Redeemer is. I will look to my Redeemer. My Redeemer lives. Not my Redeemers. My Redeemer lives. God and God alone is my help in my time of need. Listen to what he said. Listen to what he says here. Thou, be thou my strong habitation. You know what a habitation is, right? Is that where you live or where you visit? Is a habitation where you live or visit? I'm just not sure anymore. You tell me where you are with God. Be thou my strong habitation. The place where I dwell. I know no other place. What does it feel like when you go home? Oh, I can relax. Oh, I'm home. Is that how you feel in God's presence? That's how God wants you to be. That's the place God wants you. That's when God can do a work of restoration in you. When you are at home in his presence. God wants to remove those, the sin out of your life so that you can be at home in his presence. Though our sins were as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Why? So you can be in his presence. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may, listen to this, continually resort. Continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Listen to what the psalmist says. Now, whether you believe it's Jeremiah or not makes no difference. Listen to what he says, though. Thou, thou, God and God alone, is my strong habitation. That means I know no other place. No other place is my refuge. No other place will I allow my soul to be at rest except for in God's presence. When I'm away from home, my heart longs to be home again. Oh, home, sweet home. When is the church world going to cry out, home, sweet home? Lord, I need to go home. Oh, God, I want to be in your presence, Lord. So he says, thou strong habitation. And look, he says, you're my continual resort. This is interesting. I know that many of you may not be able to take vacations, but I know that you know what a resort is. You may have to do staycations like most of us, right? Staycation. But, but, but staycations are cool because you can resort anywhere. But a resort, you know, if you think about what a resort is, it's a place where you can go and unwind and kind of let things go out of your mind, relax, and you begin to resort so you sort things out again. In other words, a resort is a place where you can let go and reprioritize what matters the most. 
resort. You are my continual resort, God. He's saying, God, you're the one I run to when nothing's making sense. I'm running to you again to resort everything in my life so that you become my priority once again, so that you become what is the most important thing in my life one more time. Even if I got to go to this resort one day a week or one day, uh, two days a week, three days a week, every day of the week, let me, let me show you something in this. A resort is a powerful thing. It's a place, like I said, where you can go and sort things out. Yeah, how many of you have been confused about a matter? See, this confusion leaves when trust rises. And when trust rises, God becomes a habitation and a resort to you. When God begins to sort issues out in you, how many of you know what that's like? Those things that you thought were so important, so important. Once you get close to Calvary, they're not important anymore. Once you get close to that altar of God, those things that you thought were so important, they're not important anymore. Listen, when you stand before God, it's not going to matter what kind of car you drove. When you stand before God, it's not going to matter what kind of clothes you wore. It's not going to matter none of that stuff. not going to matter what anybody thought about you. It's going to matter whether you was born again or not. That's it. And if the enemy can keep you in a place of confusion, you're in danger. If the enemy can keep you in a place where you're not trusting God, where things aren't sorting out and in, in being prioritized with God first, he's keeping you in a place of confusion. And I want to tell you something right now. If God is not your number one priority, the enemy has already confused you. You are being deceived by the devil if God is not your priority. If another person on this earth is the priority of your life, the enemy has deceived you. If a job is keeping you away from God, the enemy has deceived you. If money, finances, whatever is keeping you away from God, the enemy has deceived you. He has put you into a state of confusion. But the beautiful part about this is it says that God is a resort. He said, you're my continual resort. Listen to this. Listen. Is God your last resort or your continual resort? Do you know what a last resort is? <clears throat> a last resort is when nothing else is working. I've tried everything else. I went to the boats. I went to the pawn shop, I went to this, and now I'm just going to try this one. The last resort religion is what Israel did their entire existence until God sent out those ten northern tribes into dispersion. You see, the last resort religion is when you have a little bit of everything, and God's just the last thing. God ain't going to share his glory. God's number one and no one else is or you're confused on the matter. He's either the first or you're confused. 
He's either the continual resort or you're in deception. If God is not your continual resort, if you're using God as a crutch, if you're using God as a last resort, the enemy has placed blinders on you and you are no longer watching and fighting according to the spirit. You are fighting and beating the air. See, when the enemy has you confused, you can't fight out of a wet paper sack. But when God is rising up in you, the enemy cannot stop you. See, when God is for you, no man can be against you. See, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. When he's our continual resort, you can't be in Christ Jesus only as a last resort. He's Lord of all. Lord of all. He's calling you into a place of complete and total surrender, abandonment of the flesh, throwing of yourself upon his altar. God is calling you into a place of a continual resorting after him. A continual resort is when you refuse to work and fight according to the flesh and you continually come back to the presence of God. Listen, God has a higher calling on your life. There's a higher calling on your life than your job. There's a higher calling on your life than what you're doing. God has called you to a heavenly purpose. And whenever you're fighting according to the flesh, the enemy just has those blinders on you. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you, is God your only resort? Is God your continual resort? Or is he your last resort when nothing else works? When nothing else works. You see, a, a, a last resort Christianity is powerless. It's fruitless. It's powerless and fruitless. Last resort Christianity wins no victory. It gains no ground. But this is where the majority of people are today. Amen. How do you know this? Pray for me to get a job, Pastor. Pray for me to get a job, Pastor. Pray for me to get a job, Pastor. Week after week after week on the prayer list. Week after week. they there every time. But what happens when they get the job? Where do they go? They don't go to church anymore. Because God's not the priority the job was. See, this happens with spouses. Pray for me a spouse. Pray for me a spouse. Pray for me a Get the spouse. Where are they at? What was the priority of the life? Pray for me a child. Pray for me a child. Pray for me a child. Get a child. Where'd they go? What was the priority of their life? You see, God, he gives and he takes away. If the priority of your life is something according to the flesh, it can be taken. But if the priority of your life is the living God. It can never be taken from you. See your last resort or your continual resort. A resort is a place you turn to, a place that you find help in time of need. I want to tell you about the help in time of need. I want to tell you about that place. That place is Jesus. It's at his feet. 
the resort that you're called to is Jesus. Jesus will take you just as you are, but he won't leave you like you are. He will find you hopeless, but he will fill you with hope. He will find you in a state of confusion, and he will give you peace that passes understanding. He will find you weak and anemic, and he will give you the strength from above. He'll find you powerless, and he'll fill you up with the fire of God. Will you call on the name of the Lord today and find strength in time of need? Will you call on the name of the Lord today and say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of, of living like everybody else where you're my last resort. I'm tired of calling uh, just when everything else has gone wrong. I'm ready to live in, in that strong habitation. Like it says in Psalm 91, I want to abide in that secret place of the Most High. I want to get into that place where I can dwell in your presence and live and commune with the living God where you can minister to me and I can lavish my praise on you and I can sing and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the place God wants to bring you to. Understand, you can't get there on your own. You need the blood of Jesus Christ to take you there. You ain't good enough to get there on your own. None of us are. None of us ever have been. None of us ever will be. You need the blood that was shed on Calvary. You need the blood that was shed on Calvary to take you to the throne of God. Nothing else will get you there. But if you will dare to call on God and allow the blood of Jesus to wash you and cleanse you, God will set you up in high places. God will allow you to dwell with him in his strong habitation. In his strong habitation. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll close in this, in this verse over here. Hebrews chapter number 4. And we're going to go to verse number 14. So we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus as we close. I want you to know that God's desire is not to put you down. It's to lift you up. But if you're not willing to be lifted up, you will be put down. It says that Jesus rules with a rod of iron in the millennial kingdom. All those that won't bow their knee now will bow their knee then. If you won't bow your knee by faith today... Your knee will be bowed by the rod of iron then. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every means every. Don't let no quote-unquote Bible scholar tell you differently. All means all. Every means every. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, Hebrews chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. This is your statement of faith. This is your statement of faith. This is, whenever we read in, in 1 Corinthians, it said, Watch Watch, remember that? Watchy, 
One of the things it says, it was talking about your faith. Hold your faith. Here, here, we're called to hold our profession. That means do not allow yourself to fall into deception. Whenever something encroaches on your faith, fight back. Fight back. Your faith depends on it. Listen to this. Um, Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus is not unapproachable. We have such a wonderful high priest, it's not like he can't be bothered with what bothers you. He is a resort because he is resortable unto. He's a refuge. He's a refuge from the storm. If you'll go to him, he will shelter you. He will not turn you away. When you say, Lord, it's too hard for me, he understands. When you say, Lord, I don't understand why this happened. He understands the feeling. He, he, it's, he, he is touched by your feeling of infirmity. When you feel weak, he feels it. See, I heard a minister say one time, tears are a language that only God understands. You cry out with tears. You groan in the spirit. You utter with tongues. God knows. God speaks that language which, which languages do not comprehend. You can, oh God. God knows exactly what you groaned about. You may say, I, I just don't know how to put into words. Well, put it into groans. Put it into tears. Put it on the altar. Put it on something. Give it to God. If you can't talk it out, grunt it out. Cry it out. Pour it out. You've got to get it out and get it to him. He is moved. He is moved by what moves us. He is moved by what moves us. And listen to verse number 16 as we close. Let us therefore come cheaply. Oh, no. Let us therefore come like we don't deserve it. No. Let me read you correctly. It says, let us come boldly. God wants you to come because he's given it to you. How many of you have ever given your child something and they thought they didn't deserve it? And you said, hey, if I gave it to you, it's yours. Remember one time I was trying to give my dog a treat and he didn't know if I was trying to trick it, right? He's kind of just coming at it. God don't want you to come at him like that. God is telling you he is touched by what touches you. You got a family member on your heart? Put it on the altar. You got issues in your body? Put it on the altar. You got questions about tomorrow? Put it on the altar. 
You got something bothering you about the past? Put it on the altar. You don't understand why something happened yesterday, five years ago, 10 years ago? Why did God allow me to go through this? Why did God allow this to happen to me? God is the one who can heal you of that. God is the one who can strengthen you in that. God is the one that ministers that balm from Gilead. God is the one who has that salve for a broken heart. He is the mender of our brokenness. And he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And he said, come boldly. He said, come boldly because he's got something for you. Are you willing to take it? Are you willing to resort to God today? Do, do you dare to make God your habitation? Do you dare to make God your continual resort today? Are you going to keep pretending and keep going through life like he's a last resort? You're going to keep throwing up Batman signals when everything goes wrong? God has a higher calling for you. God has called you to live in his presence. So he said, come, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you in need today? Because if you're not in need, not much we can do today. But if you're in a place of need, God has an answer. God has an answer for you today if you have a need. If you want to switch and move from last resort to continual resort, God will be a refuge and a strong tower to you. God will be a rock, the rock of your salvation. You see, the amazing thing about the rock and the Savior is this. It says in Matthew 7 that when the wind and the rain came. Listen, it came on both houses. Everybody got problems. Everybody got issues. Everybody goes through storms of life. But only one, only one, the one who has found a strong habitation as Jesus Christ, who is their rock, who is their continual resort, will endure. Will you come to God today? Are you in need today? God will meet you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to hear your word.